Welcome to Agile Fundamentals and Beyond, the podcast that helps you understand the fundamentals of Agile and some by asking the questions that everybody wants answered. Hi, I'm Jim Wiley. Hi, I'm Jitin Vara. And I'm David Lowe. And today we'll be discussing the fourth core value of the Agile Manifesto, responding to change over following a plan. Give me some examples where the focus has been on following a plan instead of responding to change and there's been issues. I've got, I've got an amazing one this time for this, this episode. So I used to work with a program manager years ago who used to, regardless of whether they'd submitted a change request for a change, they would continue to build out the thing they knew was going to change because that change request had not yet been authorized. So they would follow the plan knowing that the plan had essentially already changed. Why? Well, great question. Great question. Really, really bad behavior. But that's the kind of behavior I think that stems and that this is trying to solve. Do you want to add anything? I don't think I can top that. Um, (laughs) Honestly, can't. So let's delve deeper into some of the issues that this core value is trying to overcome. Uh, Jit? Last time we we talked about not trying to be too deterministic when we were talking about uh, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. We talked about uh, maybe trying to deliver a little bit, uh, see how that goes, and then adapting the contracts based on, on that. And the reason why we were saying that, I think we've said it in a few episodes before, is we're in uh, complex adaptive environments. The world is changing rapidly. The world of work is changing rapidly. Everything that we do is liable to change very, very quickly. Trying to plan out work for six, 12, 18 months, sometimes longer in some programs, um, probably doesn't make sense. Um, Things are gonna change and so let's not try and be too deterministic and let's be accepting of change when it arrives and not do the example that Jim gave in terms of the the program manager carrying on regardless. Yeah, yeah, so I completely agree. You get stuck in this kind of planning paralysis, don't you? Where you're in this constant cycle of plan, replan, plan, replan, something changes, you need to plan again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, rather than setting yourself up in a way that accepts that change will happen and enables you to respond to change as and when it does. That's what that's what I think we'd prefer to see. Yeah, definitely. It's, it goes against people's kind of natural behavior, I guess. People want to try and control things, um, but at the moment we can't really predict things. We can only um, go by the example of the last six months with uh, COVID hitting us and uh, plans having to change uh, because of that. And that's an extreme example, but even prior to COVID, things did change all of the time. We can't predict uh, exactly what our customers need and want uh, and therefore, when, when we do find out, we're probably going to have to change our plans anyway. So, Jim, following on from what you just said, what behaviours would we prefer to see? Um, I think it goes with what Jit finished on, you know, uh, acknowledge that, that we're in a complex adaptive environment, certainly with software development and most other knowledge work. So that, that goes for non-software environments as well. If you're lawyers, accountants, all, this, all the work that you're doing is very... Um, uh, knowledge based and heavily skills based lose those fixed plans set direction set yourself goals but be flexible on how you get there jim you're not going to tell me we're going to get rid of change boards are you 
Well, not necessarily, but they are they are a bit of theatre, aren't they, really? I mean, those change boards largely are, you know, the people doing the work, the people that know the detail, taking a change request to a group of people who don't know the work and that detail. And obviously there are some people do this really well, some people largely don't, but in effect, it's a lot of time and a lot of money to spend to simply change something that needs to be changed. My experience of it, Jim, is that using the word that you used before, it is theatre and often the change goes through, but you waste so much time in preparing the documentation, having the, the meeting, whatever form that takes, uh, before some of the presenters know what they're doing uh, and then realises that they don't and just says yes anyway. Um, and you've wasted all that time when you could have just been going ahead and trying to meet those outcomes in the first place. Yeah. And in the worst case scenario that we described earlier on, we've now got to back out a load of stuff that we did, even though we knew the change was coming. Hilarious. So what, we don't need plans? <laughs> uh, we absolutely do need plans. Um, we're just saying we value responding to change over following that plan relentlessly, even if it proves to not be the right plan. <laughs> I guess the plans in agile environments look a bit different as well. So don't um, go to the level of each individual feature being delivered at a specific point in time. As Jim said earlier on, think about in terms of goals or the outcomes we're looking to achieve. Um, go after that first outcome. Uh, and deliver those changes and see what, where you need to learn and adapt from, from that point. Right, time for our regular fun spot. So I'm going to ask you to pick three principles from the Agile Manifesto. People at home can play along by going to agilemanifesto.org principles. Pick the three principles that you think most relate to this core value. And then we're going to hear from you. So who would like to go first? I'll go first, David. Uh, so I've gone for the top three principles. Um, so I'm going to not do them in the order which they're written. First one I'm going to go for, obvious one. Uh, welcome changing requirements, even late in development. Agile processes harness change for the customer's competitive advantage. Why wouldn't you want your customers to have a competitive advantage? Makes sense. The next two I've gone for is our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. Again, satisfying our customers' needs makes sense. And then I've gone for deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to the shorter timescale. Uh, the reason why I've gone for that, I've, I've tried to put my, 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 myself in the position of those people at the high levels of organizations or on change boards, for example. Um, trying to think about why those things is, exist in the first place. Probably because previous projects haven't gone successfully, haven't delivered on the promises that were made and therefore people try to put in additional control. But by delivering frequently, early and often, as we would say, that would give confidence to those sorts of people, those people higher up in the organisation, maybe those people on the change boards, and they might start taking notice of the value that we're delivering and then stop focusing on the plans and whether we're hitting it or not. So that's why I went for those three. All right. Thanks. We didn't actually ask you to justify them. You obviously felt that uh, they needed some straight away. Uh, wow. Well, I actually yeah. thought you were going to say um, they haven't delivered on time and on budget. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, what did you pick? 
Uh, mine were very similar today. I think this one's pretty obvious. I do have one difference. So I also did welcome change of requirements. I also did deliver work and software frequently, but uh, I chose business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. Because that's where the changes come from. Those interactions, when somebody sees what you're producing, uh, they know whether it's, it's what they're looking for or not. And if it's not, you don't want to find that out, you know, two months after you actually did the work, you want to find out there and then as frequently as possible, get that, those short feedback loops going so that the ch you can reduce the impact of that change. I totally get what you're saying there. And, and if I want to extend it a bit further, do you think it's fair that I could argue that the, the best architectures, requirements and designs emerge from self-organizing teams could go in there? Because actually we're, this is actually saying it's about, it's what's emerging out. It's not necessarily from the business people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as with all of these values, any of these principles I think are relevant. Um, and it's pretty hard to pick the three. I imagine if you ask the people at home, they'll have come up with all sorts of different variations. Okay, right. So this is all very good in theory, as always, and sounds very sensible, as we always say. But what issues do people have when they try to live this value and these principles in the real world? I think for a lot of it, it's like any change of this nature. Um, people are kind of stuck with their old world thinking and that invades, invades their new world. It's really hard to kind of break those behaviours. An example I always use is, you know, the use of the word scope. Scope to me has uh, connotations of, we know what it is. We've got a really, like, really, really strong idea before we start, a predefined idea about what it is that we're going to do. Whereas what we're suggesting for people is that we, we actually keep it fluid. We define some outcomes and we keep it fluid as to how we're going to deliver on those outcomes. So we don't pre-bake the solution. We don't define the scope. Uh, we define some outcomes and then work incrementally to get to those outcomes. This is coming back to that. The fact that people want certainty that we just don't have, right? We talked a lot about this last time. Exactly. So overcoming that is a, is a big challenge, right? Yeah. To add, to add to that, I guess it's the way some organizations are structured. Some people are measured on the scope, as you mentioned, Jim. So some people are measured on, um, you would if you don't deliver that scope, you won't get your bonus. And that scope might be the wrong thing to deliver, but because people are incentivized to deliver it, they still carry on going ahead and following the plan rather than adapting to the changing environments. And that's maybe the first example that you gave, Jim. Maybe the program manager was incentivized in, in such a way that they, they felt they had to carry on. So it's, it's maybe down to how organizations are structured, but perhaps down to trust as well, to think about things at outcome level or goal level requires those of a, a more senior level to trust those people actually doing the work to deliver against those outcomes rather than trying to hold people to individual features or specific dates or times on a, on a plan. This sounds a bit like the principle of build projects around motivated individuals and give them the environment and support they need and then trust them to get the job done. Yes, it does, but only in a way that doesn't make you right. <laughs> Plus, we stopped finished that. We'd finished that game ages ago, David. Like, we can never stop having fun with that game. <laughs> True. Yeah, so I think what, your 
message really is a message to to leaders isn't it yeah that you know controls an illusion you're not really losing anything because you never really had it in the first place um and trusting and accepting that the skilled people that you've got on your team are able to do the job and deliver on the outcomes that you've set i think that's really the message um i've heard senior leaders in the past um refer to agile as an excuse not to deliver the whole project which kind of is like in a sense a really like a one word you know sentence that proves that people have largely misunderstood the message uh, that's come out of the the values and principles of agile yeah absolutely why why would you carry on investing if you've either a reaped the benefits that you were after in the first place or you've realized that there are no benefits there um at the moment why would you carry on investing i guess one thing that we could help leaders with is just if we're working in in delivery teams or delivering trying to deliver against these outcomes is to deliver early and frequently that's going to stop people focusing on on dates and times and specific items on the plan because value is being delivered i guess where people have been burnt or where there might be a a distrust of agile is because you know teams who are trying to deliver against these things haven't delivered uh, and they haven't seen an early return on on their investment and they probably think oh this this agile thing doesn't work or this agile way of working doesn't work and therefore i do need that control even though it might be an illusion uh, and it reinforces maybe old world behaviors as, you, as you've previously alluded to, Jim. Yeah, and it gives Agile a bad name. Definitely. So people don't trust Agile because they've heard that sort of thing, when in reality, that's a misrepresentation of what it is. I'd actually like to touch a little bit on what you said about time. When I work with folks, I really like to fix time because then I don't have to manage it. So one of the questions you might ask, David, you've done a lot of this in your consultant. I remember we've, we do some stuff around estimated forecasting, but is how long ideally would this take? When would you like it delivered? And what's the outcome you're looking for? So if we have the outcome and we know how long we've got, the only thing that we can flex on really, unless we wanna start adding lots of people to it, which doesn't sound like a good idea, is, is how we approach solving the problem. Yeah, and in that way, we, we enable people to be flexible around the solution or the scope of what we're doing. Yeah, now just in case anyone at home is sitting there all high and mighty thinking, oh, this is all managers and they've got to deal with it. This happens a lot, though, in our real lives, right? You said about why would you carry on investing time and effort in something when you don't think you're going to get the results out of it? An easy or a day-to-day example I think of is I was reading a book called I Pilgrim, 705 pages. I read 300 and something pages of it. I was not enjoying it at all. And I had to stop myself and think I was planning on reading the rest of it because I'd committed, I'd spent hours reading this book. I'm going to finish it. No, stop reading it. Give it to a charity shop and move on with your life and read something else. Right. But we do this. This is not just managers. We do this every day in our real lives as well. Let's just hope the author of I Pilgrim is not listening or watching. <laughs> it's about time we had that feedback, I think, because everyone else loves it. Even Richard and Judy, it was in their book club, you know, the experts. Anyway, let, let's move on. So just before we finish, uh, what last words, how can people live this core value? So rather than um, creating deterministic plans, long running plans, 
collaborate and work together to deliver on outcomes. Absolutely. As Jim said a minute or so ago, fix the time uh, and work to the time, work out what you need to deliver within that time or what you can deliver within that time. And we've said it a few times in the series, start off small, deliver a little bit, uh, see what results come, see what you've learned, uh, and then uh, work based on that, adapt based on that. Great. So we're going to wrap this up now. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye for now. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Agile Fundamentals and Beyond podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter to receive our free guides and other bonus content at scrumandkanban.co.uk.